Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to your Hollywood crime scene mini episode. I'm Rachel Fisher. Hi, I'm Desi Jenikin. This episode's brought to you by AMC Plus. With a name like AMC Plus, you'd expect the plus to mean more, right? Actually, it means better. AMC Plus is a premium streaming bundle for content from AMC Network brands, including Shudder, Sundance Now, IFC, BBC America, Sundance TV, and IFC Films Unlimited. That means you can spend more quality time with content you love. You know, only the good stuff. We'll be back later in the episode to tell you about some of the amazing series you can binge on AMC Plus, where they're giving you only the good stuff. Okay, Rachel. So for this mini episode, um, a mini-sode, <laughs> we're going to talk about some of the stories behind um, some of the f- most famous Christmas songs in the world. Oh, I mean, we already got into um, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas on the part one of Judy Garland. And we talked about... The Christmas song on yes. Nat King Cole. That's right. Uh, so, so you can't do those. I'm not doing those. Okay. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> that, what if that was a revelation for me where I was like, we've already talked about, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I have some short ones and then I'm going to get into some of the songs that I liked growing up that are more uh, modern at the end. So the first one I'm going to talk about is a classic uh, Christmas song. It's called Winter Wonderland. We all know Winter Wonderland. I like that one. Yeah. What, what is it? Walking in a winter wonderland, right? That's yeah. the one? Yeah. So this song was written by a man named Richard Smith in 1934. He was in Pennsylvania while he wrote this song, being treated for tuberculosis. This article I read said, known as consumption at the time. Now, can we just take a sidebar here? <laughs> I was obsessed with consumption when I was a child because all I knew is that you would be very beautiful in a movie and then you would just die because you I think I saw a movie with Greta Garbo and she had it and she opened a window and died (laughs) so I literally thought that you could die of consumption looking very beautiful and just dropping dead I thought it was had something to do with you wore a corset oh and like not that you died from the corset but like legally you had to be someone who wore a corset to oh, get consumption because it's a very oldie timey. It's uh, a very old timey, and and it's, it's def- in a lot of movies. And it's definitely one of those diseases where you cough into a handkerchief at a fancy dinner. Yes, and there's blood. Oh yeah, in the handkerchief, or the cough is always like, <laughs> like I just. It's, I a, it's to me as a child. I'm like, oh, consumption. That's a very glamorous death. That only- it seemed very glamorous to me because I remember the Greta Garbo one, thinking like, how did she die? She didn't even look like shit first. <laughs> like, right. To me, it was it was a glamorous death that only wealthy people in the early 20th century got. Absolutely. So obviously, that's not the case. Tuberculosis is a very serious illness, and a lot of people were suffering from it during this period. That's one of those things where I think people, um, 
I go to Phoenix a lot and there's a, a road called Bethany Home. That's one of their major like uh, roads, like their Wilshire. And I found out that Bethany Home was um, the name of a tuberculosis hospital because people would go to Phoenix because it had dry uh, weather and that was supposedly help you like dry out, I guess. So this guy is in Pennsylvania. He is at the West Mountain Sanitarium. While there, he enters writing contests for jingles and ad companies. So that's how he passes his time recovering. He wrote Winter Wonderland after seeing children play outside his window in the snow and remembered that he used to do the same as a boy. Desi, this is really sad. <laughs> this is a sad story behind this song. This is like walking in a winter yeah. wonderland. We need to get out the French horn. <laughs> And do a sad Brady Bunch version. <laughs> well, Rachel, it gets even sadder because he died a year after writing Winter Wonderland. So he couldn't even see like the Phil Spector version of the song. No, he didn't see any versions of the song become produced. He died before it became a hit. And it did chop the charts the minute it came out, basically. So yeah, that's a pretty uh, depressing origin story. <laughs> Wow. But I'm glad it gave him some nice final, I mean, he enjoyed writing it. He had a hit. And he, I think that his uh, sentimental, you know, feelings while writing it paid off. Is this the one where they say that you can, did we ever find out why the fuck they're calling the snowman Parson Brown? Is this the one where he says Parson Brown? Yes. In the no, me- I never found in out. The, in the meadow, we can build a snowman and pretend that he is Parson Brown. First of all, when I was a child, I didn't know what a parson was. I think it's something religious. I think it's like a priest. <laughs> I had like no one I, of those, those, like a preacher or like a priest. I thought it had something to do with parsnips. Oh. I did not. I've never heard this word before. I didn't know who Parson Brown was. One of my favorite Christmas records is the Johnny Mathis one. It's obviously very famous. But he he does Winter Wonderland. <laughs> now I feel like I'm going to forget what I wanted to say. But it, when he does, like, when he sees Parson Brown, I think in the song he's like, hello. <laughs> he, like, says something to it or Like he something. does an aside? Yeah. His his Christmas record's really good. I recommend it. Okay. This is just a, sto- a short little tidbit about the song Let It Snow. This is another classic one. It's written by Sammy Kahn and Jules Stein, who wrote a ton of uh, old standards. They wrote it. In July of 1945 in Hollywood, California, there's no mention of Christmas at all. And that's because they were literally writing it because it was the hottest day of the year. Like it, it was the hottest day that had ever been at that point in time. And they were so hot, they just wrote about snow. And then it became a Christmas. They had no intention of making it a Christmas song. It was just a one-off. Much like the Christmas song. Yeah. It was a very similar uh, sort of origin. Now, this one was kind of interesting, and we're going to do some deep dive into the lyrics on this one. This is about the song Jingle Bells. Jingle Bells is a classic Christmas song. Everyone knows that piece of shit. <laughs> 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 well, because it's a very annoying song, because most of the time we only hear the chorus or whatever. There's a lot of verses to this song that rarely get uh, sung. And those verses, uh, as I recall, are very descriptive of a, a wintry... Land. Yeah, we're going to get into them. This song was written by a man named James Lord Pierpont, and it was actually about the dating rituals of American teenagers during the 19th century. So this was written in the 1800s. Yes. So this is basically at the time in this in our history where guys were trying to impress girls with their horse-drawn sleighs. <laughs> 
That was like a pickup move? Yes. The first verse I'm going to get into goes, A day or two ago, I thought I'd take a ride, and soon Miss Fanny Bright was seated by my side. <laughs> the horse was lean and lank. Misfortune seemed his lot. We got into a drifted bank, and then we got upsought, which I think means that they rolled over and he got to have a little tussle with her. <laughs> Did he get to have a little tussle with her? That's what it sounds like. Like when, they, when the sleigh tumbled, he copped a feel. Yes. Now, the other verse is also about getting some young girls. Now the ground is white. Go it while you're young. Take the girls tonight and sing this sleighing song. Just get a bobtailed bay. 240 as his speed. That's a sleigh, I think. Hitch him to an... Oh, wait. Bobtailed bay? Is that a horse? Hitch him to an open sleigh and crack, you'll take the lead. So that's how you get the girls with your hot fucking sleigh. So this is basically like a riding in my car. This is like an early version of a hot rod. Yeah. He's <laughs> he's using his whip to pick up chicks. And get these girls in their fucking bustles into your sleigh. <laughs> a bobtailed bay. So that's like a ponytailed bay. What's is that bobtail? a horse? No, like a bay. Like, oh, hey, bay. Oh. <laughs> Is that what he's saying? He's not saying he's he's the first person to ever use the word bay. <laughs> I don't know what a bobtailed bay is. Write a sign, you nerds. Like <laughs> some horse girl screaming her head off right now, probably. Like a yeah. bobtailed bay is a type of Cloverdale horse. I have no idea. Uh yeah. So I thought that was interesting that that's like a horny jingle. I had no idea the horny origin story of jingle bells. I just I knew that sometimes the jingle bells Batman smells can get horny. What? <laughs> I thought it was about a fart. Wait, am I, wait, am I thinking of the wrong one? He lays an egg. That he means lays he an farted, egg. right? Okay, there's a few, and he also does ballet, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's a little homoerotic okay. uh, undertones to it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you were a child at any point in your life, you probably remember Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Robin Laid an Egg. The Batmobile lost a wheel and Joker does ballet. Is it or goes a, is it always ends with ballet? Yes. Why is the Joker doing ballet? <laughs> that never made sense. That's how he beat that's he his just origin story. He came in like a little dandy and did a tour. <laughs> I just I honestly imagine him like at the bar doing combinations. It's a, there's a lot going on in that that song. <laughs> there's too much going on. It's too much. Kids wrote it. What do we what do we expect? <laughs> now, this is another short one. This is about the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? Okay, stop. Okay. Just full disclosure. Obviously, I'm not a a Christian woman, but when I hear Whitney Houston sing the 1987 (laughs) version of Do You Hear What I Hear, I am moved to tears. Really? Now, it's 99% because of Whitney's voice, but this is my all-time favorite Christmas song. Really? This, but her version. Her version. Her version Go listen to it right now. Best Christmas song. My favorite Christmas song. Move to tears every time I hear it. And it's like a Bible story. Yeah. Is it about Jesus? Uh, (laughs) Look, it sounds very Jesus-y Because there's a star in it. So they're looking at the star to find Jesus, right? The wise man? The Lord, the Christ, like Christ the Savior was born. It's a very religious song. Her version is just, it's stunning. Well, here's a really weird fact about this song. This song was written in 1962, and the songwriters Noel Regney and Gloria Shane wrote it during the height of the Cuban Missile Crisis and because they were responding to the threat of nuclear war. They um, said that 
they were in a fearful mood for the nation at the time and they had a hard time, you know, dealing with what was happening. People were really scared during this period about nuclear war happening. Right. So they wrote the song and, and, and she said later on, or he said that he could hardly sing it without crying, thinking about like how stressful. So it was written basically due to that crisis. That's wild. Cause I, for some reason, always just assumed this was a very old song. It sounds kind of old. You know what I mean? Like the first of all, it's about the Bible. That's yeah. pretty old. Well, yeah. But then the the the, the melody of it seems old, really old fashioned to me. Like not written in the sixties. Yeah, it just seemed like oh, this is one of those Christmas standards that's been around since the eighteen hundreds. And it has like drums in it too, right? No, no. Well, not Whitney. I mean, Whitney. Oh. Just go listen uh, to Whitney's whatever. version. That to me, that's the only version of this song. Was that from the preacher's wife? No, that no. This came, This was the very first ever very special Christmas album with the Keith Haring drawing. Oh, right, right, right. And we had that, I mean, that, that record, my mother played that record throughout my entire childhood. It's a great one. It has uh, Bruce Springsteen. It has Annie Lennox. Okay, let me just say this. I love Bruce Springsteen. His cover of Santa Claus is Coming in Town is one of my least favorite Christmas songs. I hate it. Dude, you better watch out. It's so awful. You better not cry. Like, I will make a little confession here. I did not like Bruce Springsteen that much as a child. And I feel like that Christmas song, like, or even into my early, like, 20s, I think that Christmas song had a lot to do with it. Uh, there was an era for him that he had that style that I did not like. And now, uh, now that I got older, or when I got older, I did start liking him a lot. A lot. Look. As a child, I grew up loathing Bruce Springsteen. My mother was so horny for him my entire childhood. I heard so much. My mom took me to a Bruce Springsteen concert when she was pregnant with me. It honestly could have been like, oh, my mom likes him. I don't like him. Yeah. Like that could have been part of it. Like my mom raised me on a lot of really excellent music, but I was like, Bruce, you lost me there. But now as an adult, while I don't listen to his music because it's just not my style of music, I do appreciate him as an artist and... Uh, I appreciate him as a very hot individual. Well, that's objectively true. Like he is a very hot man. I like I like some of his earlier music now, but I'm just I'm learning still. So this Christmas song I did love as a child, and I have to say, when I was researching this song, I was horrified <laughs> by what I discovered. Just like if, you know, how you're like I never even thought of this shit as a kid. And Santa then, Claus is coming to town. No. It's do they know it's Christmas? <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Okay. Okay, you tell me the origin and then I'll tell you about this song. Okay. <laughs> well, there's not that much of an origin story, but the idea for this song came about when Bob Geldof and his wife, Polly Yates, future show subject for sure, saw a newscast about the famine happening in Ethiopia. Now, Bob talked to the lead singer of Ultravox, Midge Uri, and they decided to do a charity record to raise money. Now, after they had this meeting, Geldof immediately goes to recruit other well-known musicians to participate in the record. This is a quote from him. Then I rang Sting and he said, yeah, count me in. And I rang Simon Le Bon and he just immediately said, tell me the date and we'll clear the diary. 
<laughs> this is so British. The same day I was passing by this antique shop and who was standing there but Gary Kemp from Spandau Ballet, just about to go off on tour to Japan. He said he was mad for it as well and to wait 10 day- days till Spandau Ballet got back in the country. Suddenly it hit me. I thought, Christ, we've got the real top boys here. All the big names in pop are suddenly ready and willing to do this. I knew then that we were off and I just had it. I just decided to go for all the rest of the faces and started to ring everyone up, asking them to do it. They hadn't written the song yet, by the way. So they're so, getting all these big name people before writing the song. They just had the idea, let's do a song for charity. Charity. We're going to write it. So now the pressure's on because they have all the biggest UK music stars. They get together to write this song. Uh, at first, um, Midge wrote this very electronic um, type music which was popular back then uh and geldof nixed it he came up with his own lyrics and melody of course because geldof is known to be like a control freak and and midge went along with it there was one thing that midge did change in one of geldof's lyrics in the lyric he had originally and there won't be snow in ethiopia this christmas time and midge changed it to africa <laughs> i'm sorry now i okay so I'm going to get into like the reviews of this song. First of all, I want to go through some of the people who are in this (laughs) recording. Now, Can you tell the listeners when this song came out? Uh, I believe it was 1984. I can. 1985. Or it was released in 1984. Yeah, December 1984. But I guess by the time it was playing, yeah. And did you have something you wanted to say? Just that a few years ago, maybe five years ago, I did a show that was basically a... Uh, a drag show that was loosely based on Annie, the musical. Mm-hmm. And we ended the show with this song and it had our Annie drag queen on a sit and spin toy. Oh, I love I, Spinning <laughs> around as we were all going, feed the <laughs> world, let them know. I mean, yes. it was very inappropriate. It was... T- so... Look, this is one of those things, just like We Are the World, where I very clearly know every person singing every line, and I can do it exactly how they did it. Can you like do the two? Can you do the Bono part? Because that's my favorite. Well, tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. <laughs> that is a horrible Look, lyric. I'm going to get into the lyrics because that was one of those things where I was like, when I was reading the lyrics, I was like, that is really inappropriate. <laughs> like, and I'm not even that you know, like PC or whatever you want to call it. Like, and when I read it, I was like, that's a really weird thing to say. Like for, you know what I mean? It was well, like, thank God it's them and not you. Like the whole song, it just seemed like the hype. This was like such a perfect example of just like a bunch of wealthy people trying to do good, but being so out of touch while doing it. It just, it sounded so patronizing. Yes. It, I feel like I didn't realize how patronizing it was until like recently, like, just because I don't really hear it anymore. Um, but when I was reading about it today, I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> I, I do remember him being criticized a lot. Bob Geldof was always like dunked on in the 80s and probably later, like, oh, St. Bob, I think Morrissey used to call him or something because he was doing all these charity things that were fucking considered pieces of shit. Well, the reception to this song was not very good. Um, one One UK music press outlet called put like a, a like a review of the song and it was under the title turkey <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, New Music Express dismissed the song with a single line, millions of dead stars write and perform rotten record for the right reasons. Wait, what did it say? Millions of dead stars write and perform rotten record for the right reasons. I guess they were like, oh, these stars are like not even that big. Because there's like a lot of, I think there's a lot of big stars in here. We have uh, Boy George. He was pretty big then. All the guys from Spandau Ballet, Duran Duran. Uh, George Michael is in this one. All of these stars were at their peak when this came I out. I think New Music, NME, they're kind of like snotty. It's like the precursor to Pitchfork. Yeah. So we have Sting. We have some members of Cool and the Gang were randomly in town. Why? Jody Watley. Remember Jody Watley? I love Jody Watley. Yeah, she's awesome. Bono, of course. Uh, other members of U2, uh, some other members of Ultravox, and then uh, some members of Bananarama. So, you know, pretty big. <laughs> the, honestly, Duran Duran, though, that was a that was That's a, good a get. One. Yeah, come on. And the Boy George part is good, too. They're all big stars at that time. Absolutely. I don't know what this outlet's talking about. They're just trying to be mean. Um, so, yeah, the song did not go over well. I think it did make a lot of money, um, but people did start to say, hey, these lyrics are like a little condescending, like you said. Um, Some of the lyrics, (laughs) sorry, in addition to like... There's the, the end that Rachel said before, feed the world, let them know it's Christmas time. I mean, the whole idea that someone in Ethiopia is like, is it Christmas? <laughs> like, just the idea that they, they might not even celebrate Christmas. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, Or, like, it, it's just, you're, like you said, it's so condescending. It's like, it's icky. The whole song is basically, the tone of the song is like, we're in England having fun and loving life because it's Christmas time, but we're not even thinking about people who are not having fun. And at the very least, as Bono said, we should be thanking God it's them. <laughs> that is at the very least. I have to say that might be one of the worst song lyrics in any song of all time. It's really bad. It's, and then I also love like, there won't be snow in Africa this Christmas time. <laughs> Is that supposed to be a metaphor for food? Like, what are they talking about? Right. It's so dumb. So obviously, Geldof and Midge were later very um, embarrassed by the song. Uh, They both sort of regretted doing it. Um, But I honestly, despite the fact that it is terrible and condescending, I still love this song and get excited when I hear it. I get excited. gongs happen at the beginning. Oh, my God. I totally (laughs) get excited when I hear this song because... To me, this song is high camp. What a disaster of a song. It's a disaster of the song. And you just like, I just like hearing, uh, I also like, in a world of plenty with Boy George. Yeah, that, <laughs> that part, that part. He starts it off. You you can't help it. You got to get into it. George right. Borge. George, George Borge. Borge. <laughs> Borge. Georgie Porgy. Boy George. Uh, he's great. Yeah, I like I like him. Yeah. Now, uh, Geldof did claim that he had been responsible for two of the worst songs in history because he also helped write "We Are the World." Oh my God, that's right, dude. I mean, that's pretty corny. I would say that. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? Sonically, slaps harder than "We Are the World." Oh, absolutely. 
like that's a good that's a good melody here's to you like yeah and it has lots of parts yeah do they know it's Christmas it has lots of good changes it's very 80s we are the world is like pure schlock it's awful the only fun thing about we are the world is doing everyone's parts (laughs) and I remember singing that in school like elementary school we is saying we are the world or something wait your school had to sing it yes for like a performance and we got (laughs) (laughs) I got in trouble (laughs) for doing the Cyndi Lauper part (laughs) like we were all singing and I was like wow 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 (laughs) wow like I couldn't stop myself You gotta. And my teacher's like, stop, stop doing that. Like, I think all of us were like, couldn't not do the parts. Like, we right. had to do all the parts. Right. So every once in a while, people would just do it. And then I did the Cindy Lauper one time. You know me, I'm a fucking ham. I had to. Uh, yeah, I'm in tears thinking about it. It was so funny. <laughs> if to any- me, it was like, I was like, literally, I'm like, people are going to lose their shit. <laughs> I but- could like, barely contain myself. I could barely contain myself. I was so excited to fucking do it. Oh, oh my, my god. god. If anyone has video footage of, <laughs> yes. of, of young Desi doing from PS1, I can't even remember what PS number it was, 125 in Queens. Get on it. Please get on it. <laughs> Please. Uh, do people even have video cameras? I guess they did. They were coming out, right? They yeah. were like huge. Right. Um, okay. So I have to get into this. My all-time favorite Christmas song and weird Christmas video. And that is the Little Drummer Boy Peace on Earth (laughs) duet by Bing Crosby and David Bowie. Okay. You might know this from the Will Ferrell, John C. Riley version. They did it like like a perfect reenactment of this. Have you seen it? You've seen it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to get into how those two came together and did this song. I love this song. It's so fucking weird. And I remember the first time seeing it, just thinking like, what the fuck is this? How did they come together? Because Ben Crosby is so fucking old in it. I mean, he's not even that old, but you know how he was just like way older than he seems? He was also such a square. He was so square and of the 50s and like he didn't change his style at all. No. And David Bowie's like super hot and cool right. coming into his big mansion. Okay. So... Crosby was on tour in Great Britain at the time, and his management decided that he would film his CBS television special, Bing Crosby's Merry Old Christmas, in the UK. Now, we did the Bing Crosby episode, and we, you know, he was, we remember that at the end of his life, he had a lot of, uh, spending a lot of time in the UK and playing fucking golf. (laughs) (laughs) Shit like that. Now, he had a bunch of guests on this Christmas special, including Oliver star Ron Moody and Twiggy, the model. So yeah. he got all these UK guest stars. Now, obviously, they wanted to get someone very relevant to be on this show. And obviously, and I'm sorry, not obviously again. Ugh, kill me. David Bowie is the hugest international music star at this time. So they really tried to get him in. And one of the ways they said that they they lured him in is that they said he could sing his latest single, Heroes, on the <laughs> broadcast. I've, I have to find this video of him singing Heroes on Bing Crosby's Christmas special because how does that even make sense? But I guess he knew a Bing Crosby, you know, he's like going to reach this geriatric audience. <laughs> I have no idea. But Bowie said that he really agreed because his mom was a huge fan of Bing Crosby and he couldn't say no to it, which is very cute. Now, Crosby also said that he was influenced by his 
his teenage children who wanted David Bowie to sing on the show as well. So on September 11th, 1977, everyone got their wish and these two came together to plan out this uh, song. Things... According to Mary Crosby, it started off in a very weird way. The doors opened and David walked in with his wife, who I guess was Angela at the time. They were both wearing full-length mink coats and had matching full makeup and their hair was both their both of their hair were bright red. We were thinking, "Oh my god." <laughs> So there was a little uh, tension on the on the set just because there was like just 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 different generations and as we said Crosby's super square um it almost didn't happen uh at that point because of the way he looked like they were kind of like is this too weird to have this guy on so they started writing the script so the the video opens <laughs> there's like a sketch before the song starts and the song basically Bowie's playing himself. He comes to this really big old decrepit mansion or whatever. It looks really old fashioned and it's a set. And he says, Bing Crosby opens the door and David Bowie says, hello, are you the new Butler? And Bing Crosby's like, ha 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 ha. Well, it's been a long time since I've been a new anything. This whole sketch is about how they're different ages. Basically. Uh, he says that he's, there he's David Pine. My name is David Bowie. <laughs> I live down the road, <laughs> and he told him that the owner of the house lets him play piano when he's out of town. So that's why he's at the house. And Bing invites him in. Uh, he said, "If you're related to Sir Percival, who owns this house," and he's like, "Are you the poor relation from America?" Ha ha ha! Gee, news travels fast. I'm Bing. Oh, pleased to meet you. You're the one that sings, right? Well, right or wrong, I sing either way. So it's really corny dialogue between them this is like the bad porn dialogue it is bad you're surprised they don't start fucking (laughs) i mean because that that is the setup essentially oh are you the butler no i'm not the butler oh so they go back and forth there's a lot of jokes about do you listen to older music and david bowie's like yeah i like john lennon and harry nielsen not older. <laughs> Which are not that old. So it goes back and forth like that. And they're like, what about more traditional? What are you guys saying at Christmas time? Uh, he says, uh, mostly, wait, what did he say? Oh, no, sorry. I can't remember. Um, so they go back and forth. Eventually, they stroll over to the piano. Obviously, Bing has a very huge hit Christmas song called White Christmas. Uh, and and David doesn't really, uh, no. And he's like, do you know this one? And he starts playing uh, Little Drummer Boy. We all know that one, of course. It's very repetitive. How do you not know Little Drummer Boy? Barumpa Pum Pum. Yeah. Now, here's a problem. They start playing Little Drummer Boy, and David says, is there anything else that we can sing? Because I hate that song. He hates Little Drummer Boy because it does. it's a very low song. And David Bowie has a very high, like he can sing high. So he didn't want to do it. They came up with the idea to write a new song and that's where they wrote peace on earth they literally wrote it on the spot in an hour like or 75 minutes i think to add to the song so david could have like a higher pitched uh part to sing over the drummer boy song right because his voice would have been wasted if they had just sung if they're that. just going parumpa bum pum and like you have david bowie and maybe bing singing like come they told me and then david bowie's going parumpa bum <laughs> look how would you have split it what up a waste why of all songs did they even choose that one i have no idea but I think this is great because it's an accident that actually made a really great song. Right. Because the peace on earth part is really great. That's the over, best part of the song. I, I would have never known that that was just written for this. I really thought it was like something that already existed uh, and that they added to it. But no, they literally wrote it 
in like 75 minutes on the set. And they, David Bowie luckily loved it and agreed to perform it. Now they had to work on his outfit because they wanted him to dress more um, conventional. Conservative. And not in his full-length mink coat. But, for, but, but somehow he ends up still looking like a rock star. He still looks hot. It's just a more... I mean, it's just not as flamboyant as he can get, I guess. But he has the shocking bright... And he doesn't have the full makeup on. He has the shocking bright red hair. Yes, but he's not wearing makeup, no. like a you know extravagant stage makeup or anything like that. Now, they sit down on the, the piano, they sing the song, uh, they both realize that, hey, you're a good musician, <laughs> I'm a good musician, and they get a lot of respect to each other. Now, this goes into the um, Christmas special... A month later, Bing Crosby dies of a heart attack by playing golf. So that was only, we talked about that on the podcast we did about him. That was like a month after he did this thing with David Bowie. Wow. Uh, so this this airs before, I think it doesn't even air before he dies. So it does air eventually. The single is released five years later in 1982. And it's kind of become this weird Christmas uh, hit but it's also this weird, the video is so odd that people still kind of enjoy mocking it to this day. I always thought that as of now, it be, had become more of a beloved Christmas video and song. I think there's still people that like to mock it because they don't get it or they just think it's still the cool thing to do because they have no opinions of their own. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those videos my mom posts on her Facebook every single Christmas. I like it sincerely and campy like campily like yeah i see it on both levels absolutely and there is something beautiful about the peace on earth lyrics which i can't really remember right now and i don't feel like singing them because i'm not david bowie but there is something kind of like oh that's a nice sentiment even though i don't believe it (laughs) (laughs) now another one of my favorite more modern christmas songs is christmas in hollis this is (laughs) a christmas song by run dmc obviously i grew up you know, when I lived in Queens, I was very close to Hollis. I have been to Hollis. So I'm very into Run DMC. I'm of that era. That was like the huge group to love when you lived in Queens <laughs> and across the country. I love Run big. DMC. Yeah. They're so good. Who doesn't love Run DMC? Now, the sample that they use in Run DMC is a song by Clarence Carter called Backdoor Santa. I love that song. So I wanted to get into Backdoor Santa. Now, this is Clarence Carter, who also did 60 Minute Man. <laughs> this guy's dirty. <laughs> He's filthy. So 60 Minute Man, you know you know the song. He's a 60 Minute Man. He's going to give you 15 minutes of kissing, 15 minutes of teasing, 15 minutes of squeezing, and 15 minutes of blowing his top. Now, what's he doing for 15 minutes while his top's blowing? He's coming for 15 <laughs> minutes straight. That's what that means. I think I should be blowing my top for 15 <laughs> minutes. He can get 15 seconds. <laughs> What's Clarence doing? <laughs> 15 minutes of blowing his top? <laughs> That's too much. What's coming out? Fucking gallon? <laughs> it's like, are we waiting for every last? Is that from pre-com to com? It's like ectoplasm. I want to know. Too bad Clarence is dead. We'll never be able to interview. The interview of a fucking lifetime. Oh, man. <laughs> now, Backdoor Santa is a dirty Christmas song. Very, Very dirty. dirty. It's a classic 12-bar blues setup. You know the drill. The thing I love about this song, and any song that has this is going to get me involved, it's when they say, looky here. 
at the top of a verse. Yeah. <laughs> because you know something good's coming. I'm going to look. <laughs> That's clickbait for me. You say looky here, I'm listening. I want to know what you're going to tell me because you're, you're setting it up in a, in a way that I like. Now, this is a song about basically a guy who's sneaking into women's houses and giving them presents while they're their men are away and he's a backdoor Santa because he's going to be running out that back door when they unexpectedly show up basically. Or do you think it means he's getting them in the back door? <laughs> I always thought he was alluding to anal sex. You did? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's both. Cause he does hint like, Oh, when he hear a mouse, like you got to run. I got to come through the back door. Yeah. I think, I think it's both. I look, there's no doubt that Clarence Carter loves anal. <laughs> You know what? Clarence, like, I picture him being into it. He's into everything. He wants to do everything that's naughty. Yeah. Especially on Christmas. <laughs> He's on Santa's naughty list all year long. Now, this song, it even has ho, ho, ho in it. <laughs> he says ho, ho, ho several times throughout the store. He's like, talk about dirty Santa like we talked about last week. Clarence Carter is a dirty Santa. He makes all the girls happy while the boys are out to play. <laughs> so he's just coming in and giving girls these um, little presents. He comes running in with his presents and every time they, when they call him. So they're calling him when their man leaves the house. Right. And he runs right over with his Santa sack. These are desperate <laughs> women whose husbands are not fucking them right. I think so. So I like this backdoor Santa. I think uh, I think uh, that's a good song, and you should add it to your little Christmas repertoire. It's on my Christmas playlist. Play it at your next Christmas party. With, see what people think. Right. <laughs> Especially play, the children. Play it around the children. Play it around your elderly relatives. You know, everyone needs a little... Um, uh, like a little bump in their Christmas playlist that's an unexpected tune. Yeah. And I think uh, this one, this one's a hit. It's a good addition. It's, and it's only like three minutes. He gets in and out. <laughs> Backdoor Santa. He's not 15 minutes in this song. I'll tell you that. He's <laughs> he gets to the point because he has 60 minutes of fucking to do. 60 minutes. Oh my God. What, 15 minutes of kissing? 15 minutes of kissing, 15 minutes of teasing. Squeezing 15, 15 minutes. 15 minutes of squeezing and 15 minutes of teasing. Then 15 minutes of blowing his top. Which we still don't know what the fuck that we means. We don't know what that means. 15 minutes of blow. Like he needs to say blowing your top. That's that, that I'll buy. That's, that's better. Then, then I'm into your song a little bit more. Right. 60 minute man. Because all so far all I'm getting is that you hop it around on top of me. Then you're blowing your top. And I'm lying there wondering where back to our Right. It's like, I didn't want this Clarence. You, you know what? When he's just, he, it's like, it's like Bruce Wayne and Batman. When he's just Clarence Carter, he's a selfish lover. But oh. when he's dirty Santa, he's giving it to you. That's right. Cause you're, maybe you were nice that year. Right. Who knows? Hey, we're back to tell you about a few more things exclusive to AMC plus that we think you'll love, including the next true crime series you'll obsess over. Des, starring Doctor Who's David Tennant as real-life serial killer Dennis Nielsen. Want to get lost in addictive, bingeable drama? Check out Riviera, a Sundance Now original starring Julia Stiles. Catch up on season one and season two of the sun-soaked thriller, and don't miss season three, which is now streaming. If you're looking for something that Metro calls more than a touch of Tarantino, watch the powerful new drama Gangs of London. AMC Plus is available on all your devices, ad-free and on demand. 
Watch new series, episodes, movies, and fresh content anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Sign up today at amcplus.com. That's amcplus.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. What else you got, Des? Okay, I have uh, a few listener emails I want to get to. First, I have one who had two really good stories. This is from Sasha, and these are really fucking hilarious. First of all, she really she really got me with her opening line, which says, I was recently inspired by Desi's fascination with the log of shit story. <laughs> Read it again. I was recently inspired by Desi's fascination with the log of shit story. Remember what? the log where I was fascinated how it came out in a log (laughs) we can't get through one week without talking about someone shitting their pants this one's really wild though so i'm gonna look i'm into it okay i just feel i just know there we definitely have a percentage of listeners who were like and that's the last time i listened to a mini episode So she says, basically my junior year of high school, I went with a group of friends. And after we went to one of those friends' houses, oh, afterwards we went to one of those friends' houses. Let's call her Chantel. Chantel's parents were out of town for that weekend. So once the dance was over, we figured, hey, why not throw a big party and invite everyone? It was going to be so great. Not only was the party going to be a total rager, but everyone in our core friend group was going to sleep over. So after getting back from the dance, one of the girls in our group, I'll call her Larissa, decided she wanted to switch back to her pajamas as soon as we got home. That way she could just go fucking ham all night. And if she passed out or threw up, she was already dressed for bed. The only problem was when we got home, Chantel's little brother had started letting in some people who had left prom early. So there was a line for the downstairs bathroom, which was what most people were using. She had an idea. Why not use the bathroom in Chantel's parents' room? Practically no one knew about it. So grabbing her overnight bag, just her backpack from school, she went upstairs to the toilet. Then disaster struck. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, God. Listen, all these years later, I can tell you if there's one thing Larissa had been known for, it was being a champion shitter. What? (laughs) I'm sorry. Wait. Can you imagine if you had a friend who was known as a champion shitter? Do you? Have you ever had a friend? That seems like a guy friend thing. Not like, right? Like guys (laughs) probably have a champion shitter friend. Okay, all five of us were picture-perfect California girls. Long blonde hair, tanned, beach volleyball players, grew up in a town on the beach, but we were filthy fucking teenage dirtbags to our core, and Larissa's shits were legendary. I like how how Sweet Valley High that started off. (laughs) We were all tan, blonde. And Larissa took fat dumps. Yeah. She had an older brother named Wesley who for $2 would take a shit on anything almost on cue. It was an amazing... 
This is a family. This trait. is a family of shitters. We once paid him ten dollars in advance to have him take shits on a moment's notice. The hood of the vice principal's car, or my boyfriend's little brother's box of Legos, come to mind. It must have run in the family because she was always bragging about how big her morning turds were. Anyway, after a long night of dancing, she decided to squeeze one out. Later, she told me it was the biggest, thickest log of shit she had ever seen. Right on cue, as she was looking at it in the bowl, someone knocked on the door. <laughs> Calling out that she was almost done, the voice on the other end of the door said, okay, cool, not cool. The voice belonged to Chris, the hottest fucking guy in our whole class, who she had been crushing on for years. This guy surprised everyone by showing up and bringing six other lickable members of the water polo team. (laughs) In an attempt to curry favor with him, Chantal had sent him upstairs to the private bathroom so he wouldn't have to wait on line, not knowing that Larissa was up there taking a huge dump. Now... So knowing it was already going to be something she couldn't hide due to the smell, she flushed it and just hoped for the best. It was too big to flush. (gasps) She flushed again, no dice. This thing was stuck. Panicking, knowing she was probably listening to the multiple, he was probably listening to the multiple flushes and literally shit out of ideas for what to do. She looked around. Inside her backpack, she had packed her toothbrush and a wadded up Vons plastic bag. (laughs) No. She dumped everything out and put the baggie over her hand, reached into the bowl and grabbed the monster shit log, twisted the bag, tied it around and crammed it back into her back. <laughs> okay. Slow down, Desi. I'm sorry. Slow down. <laughs> Just, okay. She, that is so, honestly, I get that I'm, feeling, but look, I've never done something I'm going like to retch. <laughs> I am, I am, this is disgusting. Okay. Okay. Start up. Keep going. Okay. That sick fuck, and I say that in the most loving and admiring way possible, let that log petrify in her bag overnight. No one suspected a thing until the next day. We were all hungover and went to a little diner on the beach. She opened up her backpack, walked away with something, and threw it in the trash bag, and then told us what had happened. Did she eat (laughs) breakfast with the turd in the bag? No, I think it was before the pancakes came. (laughs) Look, I'm defending Larissa now. Rachel, no. She threw the shit away at, before the pancakes this is came. This disgusting. It's so, like, teenager, though. No, I would never do this, and I did disgusting things. Yeah, but I would never do this, but I know the feeling when the shit, when you're having a toilet incident. <laughs> Not that I haven't had a log clog my toilet, but just when you have a toilet thing where it's, like, rising, it's a panicked <laughs> feeling, especially if a hot guy is outside. <laughs> Look, this is, this is, I don't know what she could have done. This is like a classic late nineties teen gross out comedy movie. Yeah. I know. It's incredible. Okay. She has another funny story and this one is not that disgusting as disgusting, but it's very funny. Last year for Cinco de Mayo, I got super sloshed at my friend's dad's house. He and her stepmom were out of town and she was asked to house sit because her little brother, who was in college at the time, would basically burn the place down if no one was watching. After drinking all night, she invited me to stay the night. She loaned me a pair of jammies and we both got in her bed together. Just as we were both starting to fall asleep, we started to hear what sounded like heavy panting. We both looked around like, what the fuck? Where is that coming from? We got up and looked around the room and discovered that the sound was coming from the air vent. 
the same one that connected her old bedroom to her little brother's. We were like, are you shitting me? Is this guy seriously jerking it so hard tonight that we can hear it through the air duct? (laughs) Super angry that he was pulling this bullshit when we were trying to sleep. She yelled out, Evan, you better fucking cut that shit out. A few minutes later, there was a knock on the door and her brother was there with a blanket pulled over his head, looking at us like some little kid. She told him again to quit beating it. Otherwise, she was going to punch him so hard in the dick it was going to be an innie to which he replied i'm not the one making the noise i thought it was you two in here after which we were all quite quiet and then as if on cue the panting hard wet breathing resumed from the air vent needless to say we all lost our shit imagining the worst what if it was an escaped mental patient hiding in the air shaft and beating it to all three of us alone in the house turning on the lights we made evan grab a flashlight and take a look around not seeing anything all three of us tried our drunken best pulled together and got the grate off the shaft sticking his head in with the light all of a sudden he jerked back and said holy christ oh jesus and fuck it turned out a raccoon was stuck in the walls and was panicking, panicking, hence the heavy breathing. We called someone to come out and make a late night call to take it away. It, sorry, were you raising your hand? No, no. I, I thought the stepdad had come home early. And then- <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until we were standing and looking at the cage in the driveway that my friend went, yeah, you know, it was bad because my little brother shit his pants. We all looked and sure enough, there was a tiny pinprick of brown beginning to seep through the back of his pajama pants wait this is a twist in the story (laughs) that's what i thought when i was reading it i guess adrenaline and drunkenness had prevented us all from realizing he had a tiny explosion when he saw the (laughs) raccoon (laughs) dude sasha sasha come on the pod those are hilarious stories like imagine having two of them (laughs) in her email what a gold star email. I don't even know if I have one shit story. I don't have a personal shit story. <laughs> I just like have friends shit stories that I've, I know. But yeah, that's like the raccoon, the heavy breathing. First of all, I love the friend. She's like, stop jerking off to her brother. <laughs> just yelling that out. Oh. Okay. So we have some, uh, a lot of people wrote us last week telling us that the necrophilia story was an urban legend i called it (laughs) did i call it or what i said look i said i hoped it wasn't an urban legend but i had a feeling because it sounded so over the top it sounded like an urban legend yes i still would like to believe that there is a grain of truth and this has happened somewhere at some point in the world is this medically possible well i went to snopes to look it up and this has been around for a very long time. Some, I think the first known case was 2001, but it's always a very similar story. A girl is having sex either in a, with a, someone she doesn't know or back with an ex who she hasn't, doesn't know where he's been lately. Right. <laughs> but they were even more disgusting ones on Snopes. One of them, she goes to the doctor and the doctor tells her she has maggots in her pussy. <laughs> So it got beyond just a rash and like some kind of parasitic infections or maggots or worms or even worse. And all of them tell her, it's basically all the same as the story we got where it's like, we found out that it was a necrophilia. He was, she fucked the guy who was a necrophiliac and that's because they're like, this can only happen if you fuck a dead person right. or something like Is that. Is that even a medical thing? I don't think so because... Yeah. I I mean, I couldn't see... Basically, Snopes, according to Snopes, this is just one in many 
types of urban legends that is punishing women for being a slut. Right. That's basically what they say. Uh, yeah. So a lot of people wrote into that to this. Oh, wait. they were saying it was also like similar to the Mayo Clinic legend that a girl put tuna during oral sex on her. Pussy. Ew, why? I have no idea why. Why would you want to make your pussy taste like tuna? <laughs> I know. It's like, what What, what sick bitch? <laughs> I was like, here, you like tuna? <laughs> Who does that? No one does that. No one does that. So wait, there's an urban legend about tuna in the pussy? I guess. What is the, what's the That she line? put it on her pussy like to be kinky? Like maybe she saw eight and a half weeks <laughs> But She's then like, what happened afterwards? She And then she got a maggot infestation because I guess she didn't wash the tuna for pussy they, or he didn't eat it off. They could have made it a lot more believable if they had used a way more appealing food. Now, a lot of other um, versions of this urban legend call it a corpse worm. Like they say there's some kind of corpse worm that this girl gets. So obviously that is that doesn't exist. The only thing that exists with worms and death are maggots. And that, that happens like in the body. Like someone who fucked a corpse would not carry the maggots with right. him necessarily. Right. It's not like a tapeworm. No. So yeah, this it's just bullshit. It's just basically another sort of a friend of a friend had this happen to them type thing that goes around. And and like us, we want to believe it. Well, I it's, mean it's really wild. I mean, we've talked about on the show before. It's like when you're in middle school or high school or whatever. You all hear about the girl who stuck peanut butter on her pussy right. and had the dog lick it off. Now, I will tell you, I went to a one-person show one time, and someone said that they did that. Wait, that they actually did that? That they put peanut butter on their dick and had a dog lick it off. Ugh. I was sitting in the audience, and I was like, I was like... <laughs> Looking around because it was like a poignant one, I guess. Wait a minute. He was, it was serious? A po- it was a poignant one-person show. <laughs> First of all, I should not have been invited because I'm always like, what? <laughs> People are sincere about their trauma? Come on. <laughs> I just find everything funny, inappropriately funny, and it, it's not supposed to be. So all my friends hate me. They're like, shut up. <laughs> we can't take you anywhere. So he started telling the story about doing that. And as I'm listening to it, of course, everyone is wrapped like looking at this with like brimming with tears and I'm listening to it. I was like, he's not going to let that like I, as he's doing it, I was like, he's not going to have a dog lick his <laughs> off his cock. Is he <laughs> like, I, I was like predicting it was going there, but I was like, that can't possibly be true. He's not going to do it. I was like, why would you ever even tell anybody so that, that wasn't even played for laughs? I don't know what it was played because <laughs> I was like, "How do you-? no?" It was not played for laughs. It was not played for laughs. It was no one was laughing. Why? I don't know what's wrong with that audience, dude. It was frightening. It was like at this church in Venice. <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird. It was a friend of Tom's who we had on the Manson book. That's why I was there. That's oh why I went God. to it. Was Tom laughing? I don't. I don't remember. I feel if Tom, like Tom would laugh about. that. I'm sure we afterwards were like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> I don't remember if he was there or not. Uh, to be honest, uh, yeah. So that's debunked. Supposedly. I mean, right. maybe it really happened once, though. Right. We don't know. It's just because it didn't happen a lot of times. That <laughs> doesn't mean it didn't happen once. <laughs> what else you got? So this is another close encounter, and this was written to us by Robin. Back when I was 18 to 22 years old, I managed a retail store here in Edmonton, AB. 
It was a woman's clothing store specializing in slutty bar clothes and business attire. Laugh out loud. (laughs) We used to have a man come in regularly to chat and shop for himself. That's fine. I'm totally fine with people doing whatever they want. This guy was very sweet, but pretty unusual. He had a thick black mop of hair with a thick black mustache, heavy duty mechanic. You know the type. His quirk was wearing a double D breastplate under his bright pink tops with a tight skirt and bright pink nails. Again, I'm not judging. He was always very nice when he came in to visit us, armed with a nice armed with nice compliments and offers to take us shop girl shopping at our at our local lingerie and corset store. <laughs> so one day I came into work and was told he came in looking for me, wanting to offer me his extra ticket to see Lady Gaga. I was disappointed as I would have loved to have gone. Fast forward three weeks, his mugshot is on the front page front of our city newspaper. He'd been accused of con- and accused and convicted of multiple druggings and rapes across town. <gasps> Thankfully, I never saw him again. Isn't that scary? Oh my and God. Rachel, she also sent us a healthier version recipe for cranberry bliss bars. I saw that. We should make them. We should make those. I bet you they're still really good. Yeah. We could fatten them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just make the full fat version. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to use the no fat vegan butter or whatever. I'm going to just use, replace it with butter. Uh, no, I bet you the healthy one's still kind of good. Of course. And a lot of times healthy ones are still very not healthy. Yeah. And I like that. Me too. Uh, so yeah, that's all I got for you. Wow. Thanks, Hollywood Crime Scene listeners. You yeah, guys you, always have the <laughs> most fucked up stories. The bar has been set by Sasha. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Sasha. <laughs> oh, amazing. What did you eat? I ate a lot of vegetables and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> I'm so over vegetables. I I went into being healthy thinking I really need to eat a lot of vegetables. And a week later, I, I've eaten more vegetables this past week than I probably did in the previous four months. How sick are you of zucchini? I hate zucchini now. Like I have had too much zucchini I don't know what vegetable would satisfy me unless potatoes. (laughs) Dude, it's like that diet. It's like that fad diet where you could, you can't have any baked potatoes. Remember that one? I know. And then you're like, when's the day I get the baked potato? Right. They let you have like one baked potato a week, but then they have to remind you every subsequent day, no baked potato today. No baked potato today. But the problem is I don't even have my baked potato today. Where's my baked potato? Well, we're going to have a, a dessert next week. Yeah. So that'll yeah. be satisfying. But honestly, I fucking, maybe I should just have a baked potato instead of a dessert. <laughs> Dude, Wait. doesn't that baked potato sounds like it would make your stomach feel warm and full for oh, the first time? For the first, you know what? I got to be honest with you because Desi and I have been on the same diet for like a week. That's basically just like uh, reasonable portions and lots of vegetables. So we're starving. Yeah. Because we're... Because that's, that's not how we roll usually. We like being sick from eating too much. I like be- <laughs> the way I eat is that I'm full up to my titties. I can feel it in my breast. I f- I am heaving. I can't. I move. have. I can't remember the last time I've done this podcast very uncomfortably full. <laughs> not uncomfortably. Full. Not uncomfortably. Full. Right. Like we used to be so full before we recorded that it was almost painful. Right. <laughs> I have a confession to make. Oh. Oh. I cheated today. <gasps> you did? What'd you have? I had a bagel and locks. <laughs> I okay, I've been like I've been like apartment hunting because I need to move. And 
there was a yeasty boys truck in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Look, apartment moving is one of like the top stressors that adults go through in their life. Okay. Yeah. And I've been, we're in, we're in a pandemic, Desi. Yeah. We are in a pandemic. That's why it's hard. <laughs> we are in a pandemic. I am moving. That is a very big stressor. For anybody, yeah. but for me especially because I have panic disorder. So yeah. look, I I deserve that fucking yeasty boys bagel. Tell us, tell me every fucking detail. <laughs> okay, so the truck was parked out front, and we're walking past it, and I immediately just, without even thinking, I got in line. Ooh, and I just turned to Brendan and I said, "I'm going to have a fucking bagel," and yeah. he said, "Okay, sweetie." And he's off. He's not very. He doesn't think he, I need whatever. He's like eat. Yeah, Eat. right. Fucking like, uh, so I got the bagel and I took a bite of it and I was like, holy shit. It was good. Was it was it go- so good. Was it good or it's just diet good? No, it was a, they do a good bagel. Have you had it before? I haven't had one before, okay. but they do a good bagel. What kind did you get? I got a poppy seed. Okay. And it was just like, Good. It had a lot of cream cheese on it, a lot of lox. The lox was good. Cream cheese was good. Bagel was perfectly toasted. It was just fucking delicious. It's, it's mm. such a perfect lunch breakfast I love thing. bagels. So, uh, yeah, I had that. And then I had um, some bullshit diet food yeah. for, like, dinner tonight. I had some uh, broccoli, broccolini, and steak. And broccolini and steak and kale. And mushrooms. Well, that the kale. I saw it. It looked very sad. Look, it tasted the the steak is good. Now I eat my vegetables and I save my meat for like the dessert of the meal because I'm like I'll get these vegetables and then we have all the good parts at the end. That's smart. (laughs) I never do that. I always eat all the good shit first. Oh, I can't because I know I won't get through the vegetables (sighs) if I eat all the good stuff first. Because you know what I mean. I couldn't get through the zucchini I had the other night. Because I was just so like, I if I see one more fucking vegetable, and we like vegetables, to be clear, we do. I like vegetables, but it's really hard when they're not fried in oil. No, I'm well, just kidding. <laughs> that, that's the thing I realized. I'm like, oh, I love vegetables, but I love vegetables particularly because they're roasted in a ton of oil or slathered in butter or it's a potato. Yes. Or it's a salad with like a really fattening dressing on it or something. Yeah, or a salad with like fried chicken on top. But when you're just having a light vinegary thing on it, it's just not as good. No. But I did roast my vegetables in balsamic the other day, and that was pretty good. This is so sad. This is the saddest conversation about food we've ever had. What, like when I ate my pear for dessert? Yeah. That was really I saw sad. Desi bust out a pear and she goes, I'm having my dessert. <laughs> I save my lunch fruit for dessert. That's how sad I am. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, I have a good idea. I'm not going to eat my lunch fruit. I'm going to save it for dessert. <laughs> like a psycho. We have to plan. Look, it's the first night of Hanukkah. Oh, my God. So I've been thinking. I should be eating potatoes right I now. I should be eating potatoes right now. This is very. Yeah, I forgot. Like, my ancestors are spinning in their graves. I'm already like, we should eat everything we couldn't eat in a month. <laughs> Honestly, we have to have a lock a day or something. I mean, I was thinking like for our big cheat day on Monday, we should do latkes and donuts because that's Hanukkah. Yeah. And it'll still be Hanukkah. Yeah. So we won't be missing it. Honestly, I, I think at the, when I started, I was like, I'm going to need sweets. But I'm at that sad point where fruit ha- is sweet to me now. And I feel like I'd rather maybe have a savory. 
Well, I'm going to have fucking donuts. Okay. Because well, if my, you have them you here, what? what am I going to do? No. My, my great-grandparents did not flee Russia and Romania escaping the pogroms for me to not have fucking donuts and latkes on Hanukkah. Okay. That's my justification. Look, I'm very on edge right now because I haven't had like... Because look, I usually... Well, you did just have a bagel this morning. Excuse okay. Me. You know what? <laughs> but I also... You're I'm, not as bad as me. <laughs> I'm really on edge. I miss, I miss sugar. I miss sugar. Yeah, I do too. We're going to have some sugar. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll fucking eat a donut. I'm not going to suffer. I'm going to have a very nice small portion of donut and latkes. Very you're, reasonable. You're not going to do that bullshit office cut the donut in half. No, not in my house. Look, donuts are light. They're not that heavy. Yeah, how many calories could it be? You can't get a cake one. Those are heavier. You get, the, you get the fried one. That's many, just light How airy. many calories is a donut? Like 30 calories? Come on. We could eat like 10. <laughs> That's fine. I don't go by calories. I go by how much the food feels like in my hand. Do you, do you want to <laughs> know what Ali Siegel did? Ali Siegel, friend of the pod, also my co-host on 90 Day Fiance Slumber Party, she is on the same meal plan that we're doing, this healthy eating plan. She did it? She just started it. She started on Monday. First day of the first day that she's on the meal plan, she ordered donuts postmates and ate four donuts in quick succession. <laughs> Jesus. The first day. The first day. That's because she knows her Peloton bike's coming. <laughs> right. She also has a Peloton coming in the mail. So she's like, ah, I can do it. <laughs> I'll just work it off. <laughs> When my Peloton comes in six weeks. Good for her. That was inspiring. I love it. I love when people break their diets. Yeah. (laughs) I do do too. I'm very pro people breaking their diets. I'm pro. My problem isn't breaking it. It's when I break it, then I just don't go back. I'm like, then I'm like, well, I have to Uh, eat a lunch uh, before I start it again. Look, my goal is just to not eat dessert after every meal. Because that's sort of like what I do. It's kind of like cutting out your bad habits and then slowly... Yeah. Adding them back reasonably. Are we nutritionists? No. No. Don't listen to us. <laughs> Please don't We're listen stupid. to us. Please do not take nutritional advice from us. <laughs> Look, we have some pand- pandemic eating habits that need to be <laughs> fixed. These are pandemic eating habits we've had our entire lives, though. Right. But they really escalated. Oh, yeah. I was really like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't help that I you made me go to Target and buy those lounge shorts. <laughs> Wait, you're blaming it on the pajama shorts I told you? Yes, because I wore them every day. <laughs> They're fucking elastic, loose waist. Dude, I am. And I was like, I can't wear any clothes except for lounge clothes. Now this company tricked me. Do you even realize how much of a struggle it was to put on actual jeans to go apartment shopping this past week? No, I can't even imagine putting anything that buttons. I, I put jeans with buttons on them, and by the time I got home, I was like, <sighs> I have worn nothing but lounge shorts. <laughs> For like nine months. months. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Desi. I went and bought them because of you. And then I bought more recently because <laughs> mine wore out. <laughs> wait, you wore out the ass? No. Wait, I bought those last Did shirts. you wear I out, wore them Did you so wear much. out the ass or the pussy? I'm about to tell you. I they looked fine. I put them in my washer. 
When I took them out of the washer, the whole crotch and thighs were completely <laughs> ripped apart. Crotchless. They were crotchless. That's hot. I could, it was like a skirt, <laughs> but way too short. I don't know what happened. I can only imagine that I had worn the fabric so thin from wearing them straight for months that it just disintegrated when I finally washed them. Finally. I washed them a lot, but like I probably washed them too much too because right. I was wearing them so much and I only had like three pairs, but I just would wash them nonstop. Right, right. So I think I just fucking wore They're them soft. out. It, the fabric is very thin, it's which thin. is why they're nice. Yeah. So I think I just fucking wore them to shreds, literally. That is uh, so fucking funny. Seriously. So, yeah. I've decided that when I fit into new things, that I'm only wearing fitted clothes. <laughs> I'm going to throw away all my lounge shorts. <laughs> I feel like this is a, like a parable or something <laughs> about fucking loungewear. Loungewear is like... That's when you're like, nope. You know I'm what? I'm not doing anything. I love loungewear. I like it's so comfy. I thank God that athleisure became a thing. I know there's a lot of people who deride athleisure being a trend, and I get it. People don't dress up the way they used to. But yes. in the era of the pandemic, yeah. athleisure it's very functional. Yes, I think the key is maybe wearing something not leisure wear. <laughs> Athleisure wear once a week just right. to make sure. It's so sad. Oh, that's so sad. I'm telling you though, because it was like so comfy. Look, I looked cute today in actual clothes. I was like, you know what? I look decent today. Yeah. No, it's nice when you like actually put something I on. I tried. Yeah. I made an effort. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my story. I'll be thinking about that bagel all night. That's the great. And that's why I want to, I think I like the Laka's idea because I'll be very excited for potato. Let's do latkes on Monday. Okay. I'll I want make them, them very crispy. I know you do. <laughs> Why don't you come over? We can fry them together and you can fry yours to your doneness. I think I liked yours. You like, But I think, I think they were cold by the time They I were cold by the time. So just come over when I'm ready I to want fry them, them fresh. up. Yeah. And I'll, yeah, we'll make okay. latkes. We'll get the sa- sour cream and the applesauce and then we'll also have donuts on hand. But where are you going to get the donuts? Um, either yum yum. I mean, we or we could just. I could order them earlier in the day from Trejo's. Yes, do that because if I'm gonna break it, I want a Trejo's, not a yum yum. Okay, don't you think? Come over earlier in the day Monday. I'll come over earlier, but I'm gonna have to probably still be working. That's fine. Yeah, so I can just. I work like that here. we're planning this out on air. Yeah. You guys you must guys, find this, this very is- interesting. <laughs> I didn't even realize. Yeah, we're still recording. I was so single Desi, focused. We're, every, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All the logistics. This is so sad. This well, is so... Okay. I'm not even cutting this out. If you guys are still listening, Thank you're the you. true fans. You're the true fans. You're the true fans of this podcast. Okay. Please don't leave us a bad review. Please. <laughs> we're just... You know what? We haven't had sugar in a week. Absolutely. That's why. Do we have anything else to bore the audience with? <laughs> Oh, I feel like I had a plug. Oh, I, I'm plugging myself. Oh. I have two foster kittens. Oh, yeah. Up for adoption. They're adorable. Their names are Kugel and Locks. One of them, Kugel, is a gray tabby, and he has the biggest green eyes you've ever seen, and he's very sweet. And Locks is a brown tabby, and he is a sweetie pie and loves, he's very social. And um, he's very adventurous, and they both love my large adult cat, Melon. So they'll love your large adult cat, too, or dog. I'm sure they will get get along with your dog. Yeah. Please adopt these cats. They need a forever home. And they're about five months old, uh-huh. I would say. 
four or five months old. They're so cute. You can see them. I post them on my Instagram all the time. If you live in the LA area, come get them. Come Go to Santa Door. The the rescue contact Santa Door Rescue. They're in Atwater Village in Los Angeles, and ask for Kugel and Locks. Yeah. That would be great. And then we can see pictures of them. And then you have to send me pictures of them. Yeah. But I would love if a listener adopted them. That would be so cool. Yeah, it would be really cool. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.